0: Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As a church, we are exploring hard questions that we have for Jesus. So if you haven't been with us, this is your first time here, or haven't been here in the last three weeks, these questions were submitted by people from the congregation, and then my job is to kind of boil them all down and, and find some foundational and faithful responses to these questions. In these questions, I had a number of uh, questions from people uh, asking how to deal with the sinfulness of this world. So I had some questions, for example, like this. You know, I have a family member or a friend, I have saw both of them, uh, doing fill-in-the-blank a number of different things, and I believe that those things are a sin. How do I talk to them about this and tell them what God says but not, not sound like a jerk or ruin the relationship? Uh, should I say anything at all? How can I be insistent that there is right and wrong without being intolerant or hateful? Good questions. I'm boiling all these and some others down into this one question. How do I speak the truth in love? But before we can even get started in talking about the sinfulness of the world, we need to go back to what I preached last week. And the message I preached last week intentionally led up to this one so if you weren't here and even if you were here's a little recap we looked at the question what should we do about sin and in that every one of us was forced to look in the mirror and come to a place where we recognized that none of us are perfect every one of us have fallen short of the glory of God there was only one perfect person in all of the world, and his name was Jesus Christ. And the reason he was without sin was so that he could take our sin upon himself. He was perfect in order to pay the penalty for our imperfections. And so I just remind you today, Whatever it is that you are wrestling with, whatever temptations you are falling into, whatever things are afflicting you, I tell you today, you are forgiven. You are loved with, with, a, with, with an unending love because Jesus Christ died for you and he rose for you. Jesus forgives you and he loves you and he also has the capacity to change your life if you let him. I believe if you desire the fullness of Jesus in your life, he will change your life and you will no longer desire sin, but you will desire him. I firmly believe then that what Jesus does in our lives shapes the way that we view the world and the way that we respond to the world. When our lives have been changed by the power of Jesus Christ we look at the world with different eyes and we have a desire that all people would come to a knowledge of the truth in Jesus Christ. The Bible says this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. God, our Savior, desires, God desires that all people should be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. God desires that all people know about him. This is God's desire, and therefore, because we are recipients of his love, it should also be our desire that all people come to a knowledge of salvation. And this is not just the God of the New Testament. God, throughout time, from beginning to end, has always been interested in all people. Sometimes people have the false impression that the God of the Old Testament was somehow a mean God. But look at this. In the book of Ezekiel chapter 18, it says this. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live? This is in the Old Testament. God doesn't desire that people should be far from him, but God has always desired for people to live in his love. It is his desire. Therefore, it ought to be our desire as well. So the question is how in the world do we do this then? How do we speak God's truth in this world? Let's talk about it. That's why we're here today. So we read today one of our readings was Ephesians chapter 4 and we read this one verse, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head Into Jesus Christ. There are two key words here in the first line truth and love. Speaking the truth in love. We need to have both of these things at play in our lives and in our speech. We need truth and we need love. Why? Because God is truth and God is love. So when we speak the truth, we need to do it because we love. Not just to speak the truth, we speak the truth because we love. Now I would imagine for those of you sitting here who've spent any length of time in the Christian church, you're listening to these words and you're saying, yeah, I, I agree, pastor. I've heard it before. You've said it before, right? Right? And and I'm sure you've heard this either from my lips or from the the lips of other Christian teachers. I'm 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 sure you've heard somebody say, you know, make sure you go and tell other people about Jesus. Make sure you live like Jesus. Love other people like Jesus. And you go, yes, yes, amen, amen, I will. And then you get into the world and you go, but how am I supposed to do this? (laughs) How, How do I do this? I just recently read a research study by the Barna Group called Reviving Evangelism. I've I've shared some info from the Barna Group before. They're a a research institution that does uh, primarily research on the state of Christianity and all topics relating to it in the United States. So they put together this study called Reviving Evangelism. Now, if you don't know what that word evangelism means, that's one of those church words evangelism literally means sharing the good news of jesus christ now since the beginning of christianity this is what christians have been doing because it's the command from jesus share the love of jesus but for many of us living in our culture today we are realizing that our culture is shifting faster and faster into a rapidly secularized society and most of you sitting there are saying, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. And I would say to you, how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? I've heard many people respond, even faithful Christian people respond like this. What's wrong with the world? <laughs> it would be better if things would go back to the way it was when I was growing up. <laughs> Maybe you thought that or said it yourself. I hate to burst your bubble but things are not going back to the way they were at least in our lifetimes. So how are you going to respond? Are you just going to get comfortable in the place that you're comfortable with the people that you're comfortable or are you going to engage the world with the good news of Jesus Christ not counting the cost? I pray the latter. But again, we're back to the question, how will you do it? How will you speak the truth in love? That's where this study was quite helpful. Um, If you want to see it, you're going to have to go and purchase it yourself. I could share a lot of statistics and research uh, from it. For you, some of it is kind of common sense, but there's one thing that's applicable for our conversation today, which I found to be uh, kind of alarming and, and, and eye-opening, and it is this: it's it's the gap. There's a big gap between what Christians, me included, what we think the world wants us to do and to be as we approach them. That is non-Christians in evangelistic conversations. So Christians think we ought to do a certain kind of thing when in actuality, those who aren't Christians would desire you to do something totally different. So there's a big gap in what we think we ought to do and what the world actually needs us to do. So let me just share uh, this one statistic that I found to be kind of eye-opening. When asked what they think they need to do to have effective evangelism conversations, Christian people Speak about these two things mostly. 58%, this is Christians, 58% think that they need to have confidence in sharing their own perspective. And that's what would be best in an evangelistic conversation. I need to know and have all the answers, pretty much. And 57% think that they need to have a visible faith of their own. And I have heard this time and time again from people sitting in this room and in my own thoughts and conversations as well. Many of you say this to me Pastor, I would love to talk about Jesus, but I'm afraid that somebody's gonna ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. Or, or I'm gonna get in over my head and I'm just, I, people lack confidence. <laughs> Number one, right? And then the second is people have said, I'm, I'm nervous that, you know, ah, I know the way that I live in the world and people see me and and they're going to call me a hypocrite if now I start telling them about about Jesus because of the way that I live. And so people think they need to have a visible faith of their own. This is what Christians think. Now, on the other hand, if you ask non-Christian people, what would be most beneficial for you? What would be most helpful if Christian people wanted to talk to you about Jesus? Jesus. Here's what they desire. 62% would like someone to just listen to them without judgment. And 50% would like someone to engage them in conversation and not force a conclusion. I think we've seen and experienced many times both of these. I've experienced this in my own life. When I'm trying to speak my mind or explain my point of view... I, I have a really hard time when I, get, when I get cut off and people try to pass judgment on me or, or try to wrap up my conversation and draw it to a conclusion and I'm not done speaking. I can't stand that myself. So why would I do that to somebody else when we're trying to communicate the greatest truth of all time, the love of Jesus Christ, right? See, I think many of us struggle to just let the conversation work we feel oftentimes like we need to defend Jesus as, as if the God of the universe can't handle it himself. <laughs> we think, man, I, gotta, I have to convince the person. I got to convince him. I got to have all the right answers, right? I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. When in actuality, God can handle it and the work of forgiveness and life change and conversion, that's all his business anyways. So our job is to engage in real life conversations with people, be in relationships with people, not force judgment, let the conversations go where the conversations will go, while at the same time presenting boldly the case for Christ, presenting what we believe about sin, presenting what we believe about forgiveness, but not needing to draw that to a final conclusion, just letting the Holy Spirit be at work that's called speaking the truth in love now why do we want to do any of this anyways why sh- why should we even care why do we care what what other people think or do you know isn't isn't what people believe or practice isn't their religion or lack thereof isn't that their business not mine why should i care about what they do if it's not harming me you hear these messages It it all goes back to what we first received, this message last week and how I started today. What have we first received? We've received the truth and love of Jesus Christ, free gift of grace and forgiveness. We know and believe that the free gift of the love of Jesus Christ changes our lives. We have hope and peace and joy, not only in eternity, but also today. And therefore, our desire is that we would give to the world so much of Jesus that Jesus could change the world and work in the lives of people who are far from him. Jesus is the one who gives the gift of forgiveness and new life. Our hearts should just be moved that we've received this gift And then we are moved with compassion to speak His truth in love in the world. We read today in Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Maybe you've heard this story from time to time. When Jesus told this parable, the Samaritans who end up being the good guy in this story, the Samaritans were looked upon as lowly people by the Jews and the Pharisees in particular who Jesus is speaking to. So when Jesus tells this story about a good Samaritan, it would have caused a visceral reaction in the the hearts and minds of those hearing it. It would have been, in a sense, like if Jesus were speaking today at a a rally of the Democrats, and Jesus said to the Democrats, it was a Republican who showed him mercy. Or if he was at the Republican convention, he would say, it was a Democrat who showed mercy. And you would all say, no way. A person like that has capacity to show mercy? How selfish we are. How selfish we are and this is the point of the parable the two men who walked by the naked robbed beaten man on the side of the road the two men who walked by were church workers i am so convicted of this every time i read the parable i think man i better not walk by my neighbor in need right they were church they're supposed to take the time and help the man in need and jesus says nope the priest walked by the levite walked by and the samaritan the Samaritan had compassion on him. When he saw him, he had compassion. This Greek word compassion, the, the, the book of Luke is written in the Greek language. I love this Greek word. It is the word splachna, which is, a, which is an onomatopoeia word, like a, like a word that sounds like the word, and it literally means to have your guts be moved. Like splachna is the sound. If you put your ear up to your neighbor's belly right now and it would go be going splachna, 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 splachna. Right? Like that. Your guts are moved when you see somebody in need and you can't do anything. It's not a logical thing. Oh, I think I have time. It is, ah oh, I have to, with everything in my being, give up everything I have for the sake of this one. That's compassion. That is compassion. And the main point of this parable is this is how Jesus feels about you. This is how Jesus feels about you. His compassion is deep for you. It is wide for you. You who are far from him because of your sin, he pursues you with everything he has and he gives up everything he has so you can have life and have it to the full. Do you know this? Have you heard this truth that when you are unlovable, you are loved? When you are unforgivable, you are forgiven. When you deserve punishment, you're set free. When you deserve death, you get life. This is what Jesus gives to you. Do you believe it? Today is technically the celebration of the Reformation We give thanks uh, this day in honor of what Martin Luther got going in 1547 and what what, uh, reformation happened in the Christian church. The greatest revelation that he had at that time was this, what I've been proclaiming to you, the free gift of grace in Jesus Christ. Apart from anything that we have done, Jesus loves us and Jesus forgives us. At Martin Luther's time, people were being taught that they needed to work their way to heaven or even more so that they should pay, literally, money to buy their way or their loved one's way out of punishment and out of hell. Well, this was not the message that Luther read in the Bible. It is evident in the Bible, the message of the grace in Jesus Christ. So Luther started proclaiming the truth of freedom in Jesus. And then he started making the Bible public information, and the printing press was invented, and people got Bibles in their own hands so they could read it for themselves. This world is as hungry today for the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ as it was in Luther's day. Our culture and society lives in a world that operates out of conditional love. Do you know this? Our world operates out of conditional love. God operates out of unconditional love our world operates like this we oftentimes say i'll forgive you if you i'll love you if you i'll help my neighbor in need when it seems like he first is going to help himself a little bit we operate from conditional love god operates from unconditional love this is how jesus loves us and it goes back to this thing called compassion Jesus was so moved to give up his life for you so that you could have life and have it to the full, not just in eternity, but even today. And when you have experienced his love for yourself and when you've been changed by his grace and mercy, you cannot help but to be moved by that compassion. So my friends, we need, we need to be people who tell the truth that we live and we need to live the truth that we tell. And any work of conversion that's going to happen, any forgiveness, any life change, that's all God's business. We just need to be truth speakers and love seekers. We need to be people who desire to be in genuine friendships and relationships with those who are far from him. Genuine, no-strings-attached friendships with people who are different than us and then moved by compassion, speaking the truth in love, we'll grow up together in the name of Jesus Christ. So here's your homework for this week. Work on your listening. Work on listening without passing judgment. And the second is like this. Engage in conversation. Speak boldly about what you believe the Scriptures say, but don't worry about drawing it to a conclusion. God will take care of the conclusions. It's all his business anyways. You ready for next week's question? It's this one. How can I be confident that I am saved? I've heard this from a lot of you. How can I be confident I'm saved? I hear it, I believe it, but but how can I be confident? And what about others? (laughs) Because that also comes into play. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. amen.